We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. If you would, turn with me in your listening sheet to our text for today. Our reverse for the week was 2 Chronicles chapter 5, and we're going to read together verses 11 through 14. So if you would, stand with me and we'll read aloud. Uh, watch those names. There's a few names in here we'll get to, so I'm sure you will do well with them. This then is the text for today. When the priests came forth from the holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without regard to divisions, and all the Levitical singers, Asaph, Haman, Jejuthun, and their sons and kinsmen, clothed in fine linen, with cymbals, harps, and lyres, standing east of the altar, and with them 120 priests blowing trumpets, in unison with the trumpeters and the singers were to make themselves heard with one voice to praise and to glorify the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice, accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and when they praised the Lord, saying, He indeed is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting, then the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. And give me just a moment. I left my notes over here. You're doubting Thomas was an outlier. We come to him. We see Doubting Thomas was kind of left out on his own. But more than being left out on his own, he's a lot like each one of us. Because it's far more common for us to behave like Thomas than it is for us to believe without seeing. See, I'm sure you remember from, from the days immediately following the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus appeared to the disciples first, and Thomas wasn't there. And Thomas began to fret, saying, well, I, I haven't seen him. I, I, haven't, I haven't touched him. And, and I don't know that I can believe if I, if I haven't seen Jesus and if I haven't touched Jesus. I need to be able to feel the impressions of the nails that were in his hands. Now, you would hope that Thomas would have believed his brothers. But, you know, we rely on our senses. And if we, if we hear something, we want to see it. And if we see something, we want to touch it. We want to feel it in our hands. It's how God created us to process this world that we live in. And Thomas, just like all of Israel, needed to see Jesus with his own eyes, touch him with his hands. That's what Thomas needed. And there, a little bit later, Jesus Christ gave Thomas exactly what he needed. And you know, what's amazing is that God has done this for generations in Israel. 
All throughout the Old Testament, we find these moments where the glory of God is revealed. He, he comes down among his people, and in some places re referred to as the Shekinah, this glory of God that, that represents his visible manifestations of God on this earth. There are these times in the text where God allows himself to be seen, and it's critically important. And it's exactly what Israel needed at that time. You know, probably the most famous physical manifestation of God that we find in Scripture is the Ark of the Covenant, which we come across in today's text earlier in our reverse text for the week. When, when Solomon finally finishes the temple, and upon finishing the temple, he brings the ark in, and that, that's the conclusion of, of what, what he's doing on top of Mount Moriah. But there we have this wooden ark overlaid in pure gold carried by priests into the temple. And at this point contains the, the Ten Commandments within the ark. You see, for the people of Israel, this three-foot-long golden box was the visible presence of God that, that had walked with them for nearly 500 years until it stops right here on the Temple Mount. But, but for them and for the nation of Israel, th this ark represented the full power and glory of God that resided with them. In fact, one of the great moments of the ark is in Joshua chapter 3, when, when Israel has, has moved out of the exodus, and they're moving from Moses' leadership into the exodus, and they're, and they're moving into the, the promised land under Joshua's leadership. And, and what you see is the ark that goes before them. There's this one grand moment before they come into the promised land, where they come to the Jordan River, and, and the, the ark goes first. It's just like when, when God parted the Red Sea so that the exodus could, could get going. God does the same thing in the Jordan River where he parts the Jordan River and they can move forward into the promised land. And, and as, as it goes in, in Joshua chapter 3, he said the, the, the waters of the Jordan River began to part when those priests who were carrying the ark on poles stepped into the waters of the Jordan and took the ark in with them, then the waters began to part. See, the ark to them was the real, tangible, visible presence of God that represented his power wherever they went. And then we get to, to what we just read at the end of our reverse text for the week. We have this other physical manifestation of God in a, in a cloud that, that fills up the temple. And, and it isn't light and airy like fog, but it's thick and dark and consuming. In fact, so much so that it, that it consumes the, the entire temple so that it says that the, the ministers and the worship leaders have to move out because God's presence is taking up all of the space of the temple. Now, now even this cloud moving among them, this was normal to Israel. Throughout the, the Exodus, God moved in a cloud before them that, that when they were going in the day, God, God was right there with them in the presence of a, cr a cloud, literally moving them forward. You know, we see a similar circumstance in the transfiguration of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 17, God is represented there by this, this bright cloud that overshadows the whole scene, but God is present in the cloud. See, what we see as we work down through these texts is, is God is, is practical with Israel. And he's letting them see the, him. He's letting them know that, that I'm with you. And he's showing them the way forward in these perfect and holy ways. 
and, and it, during the day that was a cloud, but at night it had to be something different. At night it was this pillar of fire that walked before them. And the nation of Israel had these specific markers all along the way with God leading them. Beautiful, physical, tangible, visible God right in front of them to show them the way. You know, it's interesting, though, as they, they're led later by this pillar of fire, because at the beginning of Exodus, Moses is a bit more troubled by this fire as God speaks to him from this burning bush that is, that is brightly aflame, but it's not burning the bush up. You see, what we recognize in these moments is that God gave Israel exactly what they needed to see. God showed them his presence and moved them forward in ways that only God could do. And we see it even in the infancy of the Exodus all the way through to when they're marching into the promised land, God was visible in ways that mattered to Israel so that they wouldn't lose course, so that they would stay on track. Now, we know there were some times where they didn't, where they wandered off and they paid the price for wandering off. But for when they wandered off, God remained faithful to provide them what they needed to, to show them his presence and say, this is the way you are to go. And, and he, he did it early and often. They, they followed God in the ark. They followed God in the cloud. They followed God in the fire. And they got there eventually. When they kept their eyes on, on who God was and what God was doing, they got to the promised land. They got to where God was leading them to go. But you see, God didn't just make himself visible in the Exodus. There's other powerful moments where, where we see the hand of God, where we see the work of God, where we hear the voice of God, where he's making himself real to us. As you, as you move forward through the Old Testament, there's a couple of more passages that are important here. God, God begins to make himself real and tangible to Elijah when he's wearily hiding in a cave awaiting Jezebel to kill him. And in, in Elijah's pitiful loneliness, God reveals himself poignantly. And, and, and very specifically, the, the text says God, God didn't come in a devastating wind. God didn't come in an earthquake or a fire. But in this moment, what Elijah needed and, and how Elijah saw God was in a gentle breeze. And in that gentle breeze, God gave Elijah everything that he needed. He said, Elijah, I am here. I am with you. You are not alone, and I'm going to stand with you. And there are many others who are walking in the same way. God gave him exactly what he needed that day. And, and not that we think that, that God was left to gentle breezes on Mount Sinai. That following Elijah, we have Elisha, who prayed that, that his servant wouldn't fear the, the enemy that was coming around them. And as he did, he said, you can see God. God is with us, and he's tangible, and God is fighting for us. And, and this, is what, this is what he says in 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17. So Elisha prayed, and he said, Oh, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. See, what you see is throughout their history, when it was necessary, God revealed himself in the right time and in the perfect form. When, when the people of God need to, to see the glory of God, it was revealed exactly as it needed to be. It was pure and powerful that they might press on to what God had in store for them next. And in all of these beautiful stories that, that represent who God is and what God was doing in the life of his people, every single one of them was lacking. And it was lacking in a very uh, particular way. 
The ark was lacking. The cloud was lacking. The pillar of fire was lacking. The, the gentle breeze was lacking. The chariots of fire were lacking. Because what you recognize with all of these, all of these moments and all of these things needed a preposition. God was in this, or God was on this, or God was with this. You see, the, these things needed that preposition with them. But soon God would reveal himself without a preposition in the person of Jesus Christ. And, and this is what I mean. J Jesus wasn't with God in that way, or Jesus wasn't near God in that way. Jesus was God, and Jesus is God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, God incarnate for us to know and see and experience God. You see, Jesus Christ, as we move from the Old Testament into the New, Jesus was the lasting, tangible representation of God on earth. He is God among us, God with us incarnate. You could see him and touch him and stand with him. See, if you remember, and go back to that scene with Doubting Thomas. It's in John chapter 20. So we know uh, Jesus had been with the other disciples. Thomas wasn't there later. Uh, Jesus comes back, and Thomas is there. In John 20, verse 27, it says this. Jesus says to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands. Reach here with your hand and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus says, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are those who did not see and yet believed. See, what Jesus was acknowledging here is that, you know, Thomas needed this. But, but after the ascension, it's not going to be the same way, that same moment with Thomas. But what we have is the Holy Spirit illuminating the stories of Christ in Scripture for us. When, when these words and pages come alive in the power of the Spirit, we experience Jesus Christ through the Word itself. You see, as we read these stories of who Jesus was, we no longer have to guess what God looks like. We don't have to imagine the kinds of things God would do when he was on this earth. We, we have the stories of what the incarnate Christ did and who he was. In fact, what, what we hope is that we see that, that Christ did walk in our shoes and Christ did walk among us, and hopefully we'll heed that wisdom and follow God as he walked among us. You know, as we, we take this back to 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 5, our reverse text for the week, there are important, some important things that you see happening in and around this physical presence of God. Or earlier in the text, as they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the temple, this is going to be the last time that, that they see it before it's hidden behind the veil. And, and in this, this last moment before it comes to its, its resting place in the temple, they just begin to sacrifice beyond numbers, and they begin to, to bring in these, these offerings of thanksgiving and these offerings of forgiveness, and they, they lay them out before God, recognizing God is the giver of all good things, that God is the redeemer of all of us. And they have this beautiful moment of sacrifice and offering before God. And then just, just before the, the, this cloud of God's glory fills up the temple, it says they sanctify themselves and they worshiped with everything that they had whatever they could come up with their their instruments their voices they they lifted it up to God and there was this beautiful and holy moment of worship that they had together and and this these moments of obedience walked hand in hand with the physical visible presence of God around them 
And I think there's, there's something important for us to recognize in this same way this morning. Because we know that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is, is coming back again in, in the second coming where we see him bring all things to fruition. And, and we're going to continue in these same kind of ways, in these same kinds of things, as they walk before God in repentance and worship. So we will walk before God in repentance and worship, serving Jesus Christ with everything that we are, so that when he comes back, he finds us doing those kinds of things. You know, I hope we're, we're aware of this by now as we look into and, and study the book of Revelation. Because what we see is we come to the, the last book of the Scripture, the final book, the book of Revelation of the Christ. It gives us an idea of what this final revealing of God is going to look like around us. What we might see when we look up at the end, or, or what we might experience when, when the full presence of God comes down to this earth again at the end of time. And God tells us these kinds of things, and, and as we read, it, it looks mighty and holy. It's filled with beasts and angels, a victor and a book of life. But we often miss, as we come to those things, what we're called to do, how God is calling us to be obedient in these days, because we look and, and see the grandness of God and His coming, and, and that's, a, that's a glorious thing for us to behold, but at the same time, we're called to obedience to the Lord, and He says, this is who you are called to be. You see, what we see at the beginning of the book of Revelation, so very specifically, it's written to, to seven churches. And, and Jesus says to five of those seven churches, you have a work to do. And he lays it out very plainly and very clearly. This is what you are to be about, and this is what you are to be doing. In fact, that call is upon us as a church here today. He says, this is, this is how you prepare for the coming of the glory of God on the earth. This is how you prepare to meet God face to face. And he says to five of the seven churches, this is what you must do. You must repent. You have to get on your knees and say, Lord, forgive me of those ways I have failed you when I have fallen flat on my, my face and I have made mistakes and I have just made a mess of this life. Lord, I need your forgiveness. He's saying, this is to the church. This is, this is to non-believers and believers alike. He said, you need to fall on your face in repentance before God. That's how you prepare for the coming of the king. That's how you prepare for, the, for the, the physical manifestation of God to be in your life, is to get on your knees and be a repentant one. That's what he says to five of the seven churches. That's what he's saying to us this morning. To the other two, he says, press on. Keep, keep up the faith and, and stay strong and stay committed to the what you've been called uh, to, to do and to serve faithfully in this kingdom. And so what we say together is that's, what, that's who we are. That's what we're going to do. We're going to be obedient unto Jesus Christ. We, we are prepared to meet him in the scriptures through the Holy Spirit, and we are prepared to meet him in the last days when he comes again on the clouds for eternity. You see, we are going to be who Jesus called us to be, a repentant and faithful people committed to Jesus Christ and clinging to his wounds. He is our Savior. Let's pray together. Lord, as we come to your word, we recognize it as truth, a holy gift straight from heaven. It's alive, it's active. It's 
It's teaching us. It's showing us who you are, Father. And we pray this morning that your spirit would come and search our hearts and reveal sin that needs to be confessed. And then, Lord, shape us into something holy. Because, Lord, we need your healing. Lord, we need our, our souls lifted up and, and healed and perfected. And so, Lord, we, we ask that you would come and, and work in us this morning. that we might be the faithful ones that you called us to be. Lord, that we would recognize you in creation and wait patiently upon your return. And so, Lord, we entrust this time to you and ask you to come and to work. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.